I'm the tower of power, too sweet to be sour, and funky like a monkey, and sky's the limit, space is the place, ooh yeah. I like it. Welcome back to the Dadna Rock Podcast. This is Sean. And this is Chris. Hey, it's uh, part two of our wrestling discussion. It's that time of year. WrestleMania is uh, in the air, I suppose. And you and I are going to talk some details and some history about the uh, previous 35 WrestleManias. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 35 years worth of WrestleMania down to maybe a 45-minute discussion. Let's do this. (laughs) Uh, I have a feeling we're going to miss a lot. Oh, yeah. By no means. I mean, we're going to omit a lot of information. Uh, I kind of, just, you know, you guys know if you listened to us in the past, we both, you know, downloaded the WWE Network and I kind of went on there and looked at, you know, a show which I did not know was going to be five and a half hours long. Good God. But it was the 10 biggest matches in WrestleMania history per them. I think a couple of them is a prisoner of the moment, but then there were some really good matches on there as well. So we'll kind of go through these here. And uh, kind of discuss what we think of them. We may skip a couple of them. Some of them even aren't even worth talking about. But uh, that's kind of the direction we plan on going right now. Yeah, and then of course next week it'll actually be post-WrestleMania 36. Chris and I will both watch both installments of that. Both uh, Saturday night and Sunday night. And we'll give you our review of some of the uh, top matches uh, on our next podcast. And we'll kind of conclude our wrestling talk for the time being anyway. Before we get into everything wrestlemania how's your week been uh it's going all right i mean same old same old for guess for everybody nowadays i mean the new what they want to say the new normal uh we started homeschooling zach uh that's been an adventure uh, i will uh send cupcakes and food to his teacher next time we see her <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's been something i mean it's gonna be a learning experience for everybody yeah yeah, for sure. Uh, same here. Uh, you're getting a little stir crazy now. You know, it feels like we're a little bit on top of each other in the house. And uh, yesterday we had a great day, though. The weather's been nice. It's been, uh, you know, thankfully a little bit warmer, a little sunnier. Last night I started a fire in our fire pit in the backyard. Uh, roasted some hot dogs and made some s'mores. And uh, I don't know, it's just a just a lovely evening. Probably the best way to spend a, a random Monday night. Yeah, family time. I mean, I, I've been contemplating buying a hammock and kind of lay it in the backyard. Oh, there you go. And just put my headphones on, get away from everything for a minute. Because you know, you know, when we have two kids that want to sit on my lap every waking minute of the day, it's kind of you need to find some place for yourself. And if you can't go to work and get that space, you got to figure it out somewhere, or you're gonna go crazy for sure. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, you and I are kind of like everybody. We're just kind of making our way through this thing. Uh, but, uh, that being said, as far as, uh, ways to spend the time, uh, this week, uh, relevant to our show, cause we've discussed these movies in the past, but, uh, as of today, you can actually now buy Bad Boys 3 and Sonic the Hedgehog digitally for your home viewing experience and, and enjoyment. Yeah, we are, we are already planning on getting, uh, Sonic, uh, for the family cause uh, Zach loved it. Uh, Bad Boys will be my purchase because, <laughs> well, I, well, I just need to watch <laughs> it again and have it and own it and, you know. Be a bad boy for life. Yeah, when are you going to introduce Zach to bad boys? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're. I think that's a little ways down the road here. <laughs> yeah, we got maybe a good decade before that. Oh man, that's funny. Oh uh, yeah, we're waiting for a more family friendly, like Onward for Disney Plus. Then we have um, uh, Trolls. 
World Tour is going to be coming out on the 10th, and we've got Sonic this weekend. So we have, you know, a few weeks in a row where family viewing will actually be present. That being said, let's get into it. Uh, WrestleMania. Oh, oh, WrestleMania. Yeah, this is a... Fighting to survive. (laughs) (laughs) Man, WrestleMania has grown from like the early days to now. I was kind of looking at it. I was watching one, basically the first match that we have listed here. And I don't know if they're in any specific order that WWE put them in or if it was just uh, just by matches. Because, I mean, they're not even chronologically in WrestleMania. Uh, for instance, you got the Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant in WrestleMania 3. So I'm watching now. I'm thinking, this is this is fun. I mean, you have the Hulkster, you're hulking up. You know, I just getting ready. Then he, he starts pounding on, you know, Andre the Giant. And he gets him down. And he does his leg drop. It's like the leg drop you know, heard around the world. <laughs> like, I think I put it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think for the longest time, that was probably the most famous WrestleMania match. Uh, was, uh, you know, it, it's still classic to this day. I mean, you still see clips where Hulk Hogan actually, he picks up and slams Andre the Giant, which, uh, God. Golly, that must have been no easy task. I mean, I know it's wrestling and it's scripted, but uh, how the heck? Even if even if Andre gave him a little assistance with a jump or something, which I'm sure that's how, typically how it goes, still, to, to have uh, Andre the Giant in your arms and in the air off the ground, that's crazy. Like, how does your like knees not buckle or you fall backwards yeah. on accident? <laughs> or, you know, just the smallest thing can go wrong and all of a sudden everything goes tragically wrong. <laughs> Uh, the Hulkster's career would have been a lot shorter if something went terribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he may have been a lot shorter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the, the spectacle of it is crazy. You, you, they come in and you got like the, just the pops yeah. on top of the stage. There's no even fireworks. There's no like big screen. There's really no music playing. I mean, they got a little bit. I mean, not to the extent what they have now. I mean, Andre came in on a ring himself and they were kind of pushing them in which oh, was yeah which was a preclude to what we have now so it was kind of forward thinking what they were doing at that point but i don't think they could have ever expected you know this to become what it is now yeah and that match in particular it was uh, at a point where it was almost a passing of the torch uh to where they saw hulk hogan and his star rising andre the giant before that point had kind of been the preeminent wrestling superstar uh known kind of around the world i mean it was in a movie he was in The Princess Bride and uh, fairly famous, but uh, this was uh, right as Hulk Hogan was going to uh, exceed his fame, uh, be the uh, poster boy for the WWF going forward into the mid to late 80s. And uh, yeah, I mean, a great match. It's still a great match. Like you said, I mean, even though these matches are a bit older, you know, they're the four by three ratio. They're the uh, they're not an HD or anything, but they're still fun to watch. Yeah. And that one per se itself actually holds up pretty well. I mean, I haven't seen it in forever, and I sit back and watching it. it it's enjoyable to watch. It's enjoyable to watch uh, Bobby the Brain Heating. Oh, yeah. That comes in with Andre the Giant. So it's it's fun watching his response. Uh, at that point, it was there was so much theatrics around it. Because it was, you know, it was that was it. It was theater. So it was it was fun was watching all that. Like I said, the slam, and then a leg drop, and it was over. And it wasn't a match that lasted 30, 40 minutes. It, they right. got it all in in one, one period of time, so it was easy to watch. It wasn't these matches nowadays, which can last uh, quite some time and be, be pretty brutal. And kind of as a sidebar here, I, I love... Bobby the Brain Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon on the mics as, as commentators. Uh, probably my second favorite duo as far as commentators, but the first being the the Attitude Era classic, Jerry the King Lawler and JR. Uh, probably got to be my favorite. But Bobby the Brain and Gorilla Monsoon, they were, they were a pair for sure. 
you know, this next one here, uh, I mean, this goes straight to the Attitude Era. I mean, this is The Rock for Stone Cold. I mean, this was WrestleMania 17. And it goes right into it. I mean, these are two icons of that time. I mean, they're yeah. going back and forth. And so in this match here between The Rock and Stone Cold, I mean, The Rock was almost almost a bad guy. I mean, Stone Cold was the guy that, you know, the crowd was cheering. Once they, get, they had that, that stare off and they look left and right and they're claiming the crowd is theirs and they're kind of getting it going. And, and they start just fighting all out. I think it was a, um, you couldn't be disqualified from it. There was no rope breaks. Uh, it was basically a no holds bar match and they had to have a winner. Yeah. And, you know, Austin was fighting with him. Next thing I know it, uh, McMahon comes out and gives Austin a chair. Like that was the big thing right there. Why is McMahon giving Austin a chair when those two are such brutal enemies? Yeah. Why? Why did he? Uh, he, he wanted Austin over the rock. Oh. And yeah, the, I mean, the rock wound up getting smashed by the chair a couple of times. There was some rock bottoms uh, by both of them. I think even Stone Cold was stunned by the rock. Rock you know, dropped the stunner on him and uh, back and forth. I mean, the rock was hit with a chair a couple of times, knocked him down. And you think right when you think it's over, it's not. And, and then Stone Cold went all stomping a mud hole in his, you know, a chair. And it, w- it was pretty <laughs> much the end of it. I thought I said I didn't see that match firsthand. So I thought, you know, for sure the, the rock was going to win this. Definitely when McMahon came out and knowing the history between McMahon and Stone Cold and the whole deal. and Yeah. But uh, that, that was that was pretty fun to watch. Yeah, 2001, I mean, that was the uh, – they were deep into the Attitude Era. And, uh, boy, you don't really get any bigger than The Rock and, and Stone Cold Steve Austin as far as personalities. Even to this day, I think those two are arguably – probably on the uh, Mount Rushmore of uh, professional wrestling. But uh, yeah, if you think Attitude Era, WWF, those are probably the first two names that you think of. And for those two to go at it, I mean, they're both performers, right? The Rock, he was destined for greater things. And even, I mean, Stone Cold today, Steve Austin is still like hosting reality TV shows and he's still, he's got his own uh, successful podcast. Uh, he's constantly on the WWE network. He's still a draw. Anytime he comes out there, huge pops. Oh yeah. Well, he was on uh, Dan Patrick and, Patrick looked at him and said, "Yeah, how during that heyday era, you're out there in basically just your underwear." <laughs> and he said, "How was he said like how was life?" He said, "Well, I was married four times." <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that funny funny little line right there. I was married this many times was uh was pretty great. <laughs> Stone Cold, one of my favorites. Uh, but yeah, I mean, looking back on it though, I mean, I'm watching these matches. I'm watching The Rock, you know, back at that time, and there's, he pops up a few other times. I don't like him. Oh yeah, in his earlier years, I don't. I mean, that may be controversial. I mean, I, I don't like the attitude. I, I didn't like the people's elbows fun. The Rock bottoms fun. The elbow, the, the all that's fun. But it, the personality and everything, the I want to say the swagger. He was very abrasive. I just wasn't wasn't into it. Yeah, I'd have been a Stone Cold guy, or I'd been a McMahon guy when they were fighting. You know, just I I wouldn't have been chanting. You know, do you smell what the Rock is cooking with him? I just I wouldn't have been. I'd have been with Val Venus. <laughs> what? Why? <laughs> You're just a fan of how he looked in a towel. <laughs> because he, I, I don't know. I just this is the, the most flamboyant. <laughs> uh, okay, that was a pull. I remembered some storyline between The Rock and Val Venus. I don't know. <laughs> we go from Val Venus <laughs> uh, basically to The Undertaker. I mean, the king of WrestleMania. I mean, there will be no one that ever yeah. equals his WrestleMania streak. And 
actually, there was an interview with Shawn Michaels because Shawn Michaels, the second uh, match on WrestleMania 26. Yeah. They interviewed Shawn Michaels about his streak. And he was like, you know, he's one of those people that believe that streak should not have broke, been broken. He should have retired with that streak intact. Oh, I agree. So he was, he was, he was upset when, uh, when Lesnar beat him and actually broke the actual streak itself. But, uh, I mean, yeah, Shawn Michaels and the, Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker, I mean, they've had their knockdown throwdowns at WrestleMania. I mean, this match here, I mean, it looked like something went bad early because uh, Undertaker went ahead and did his walking on the rope thing, which he doesn't do anymore, probably because he just can't. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine that's hard on the knees. Oh, yeah. He jumped down and looked like his leg buckled. Oh, yeah. And he immediately started to limp. Now, I don't know if that was, it looked real enough to me that it may have been unscripted and they rolled with it. Yeah. But, I mean, they, it could have been something that, I, I don't know the build-up. I don't know if he had a bad knee build going into it and he figured this could be something that would lead to sharpshooters and things like that to work on that knee for Shawn Michaels' target. But uh, it was it was a fun match, a long match. I mean, they went at it. By the time they were done, Undertaker has a look to him. Oh, yeah. That no one else can pull off. Like when he's got him in uh, like the figure four leg lock and he's laying back and he's, they start counting because his shoulders are flat in the mat. Right. And he stands up, his eyes roll behind his head, his, his <laughs> hair flips back and he gives him that look. Yeah. It's a character. Even to this day. Yeah. It's a character and it's a personality that they will never be able to match. They're going to try. I mean, you're going to have other people that come in that are going to be walking on that that dark side. You had, We talked about Sting. He kind of went that way for a while with WCW, yeah. but no one has been able to pull off that persona. Even within WWE, they brought in Kane, right? And Kane hasn't seen that same you know level of success uh, with the fans. No, if anything, he's he was kind of riding uh, Undertaker's coattails there for. But he you know he became a successful character in his own right. But his introduction was just as Undertaker's brother. So, um, but yeah, I mean Undertaker has uh, traversed. Uh, eras of wrestling. I mean, he was introduced during the time where Hulk Hogan was still like, you know, a champion and like the top draw. Yeah. And now he, I mean, he's still, he's in this year's uh, WrestleMania, WrestleMania 36. He'll be going against AJ Styles. So, I mean, he's still at it. The guy is synonymous with WrestleMania, the streak. It's a shame it ended, but it's still fun watching him year after year. Uh, whether he bounces back and forth between his American badass persona or his dead man persona, uh, it's all fun and kind of intermingled. And, and one guy, uh, Mark Calloway, and uh, just behind the scenes, like you don't get much more respected than uh, The Undertaker. But, you know, we're kind of talking about his matches in WrestleMania with Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels had the nickname and the moniker of Mr. WrestleMania for years and years. Um, that guy put on show stopping events at WrestleMania. So for these two guys to be going head to head, just crazy couple of matches. Yeah, it was definitely worth going back and watching. And these matches hold up. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we're so far out. And, you know, you go back to WrestleMania 26. And we're like, you know what? It just doesn't. It doesn't feel right. I mean, it feels just like it was, you know, last week. Yeah. And you're watching, it and it's been you're, it's been so far removed. But the problem is, we all know the streak. Yeah. So I mean, there's no mystery in the actual outcome of the actual match. You're basically watching it for the show and almost the brutality of it at that point. Because that was, he was, if I under, if I remember right, he was in the Ministry of Darkness at that at that point, I think it was. So he had like that cross and everything and he was playing that real dead man, satanic type setup. It was definitely a show. 
Yeah, he had, uh, it, it's funny enough, it's actually not his favorite storyline, but uh, he had the Ministry, he had the Acolytes, which was uh, Bradshaw, and they eventually became the uh, APA. Yeah, the early years, yeah. Yeah, I think Edge and Christian were maybe a part of that too. And then eventually it merged into the corporate ministry where he actually joined up with Mr. McMahon and <laughs> it was kind of a mess. Um, but uh, anytime that The Undertaker is fighting in WrestleMania, which has been... Every year, I think, for the past... Boy, what are they up to now? 36. So from WrestleMania 15, where he actually uh, put uh, the big boss man in a noose in a hell in the cell, all the way up through uh, this year's WrestleMania against AJ Styles. Uh, the guy's a phenom. Yeah, so I mean, with The Undertaker, I mean, we go all back and we're talking you know, kind of his history a little bit. A lot of people don't realize that he was brought in by Ted DiBiase. You know, everyone's got a price. Everyone's going to pay. And (laughs) he was actually the one that was credited to ending Hawkamania. He tombstone Hogan on a chair. Oh, wow. And that was really his debut. Now, I'm not sure if that was a pay-per-view or not. More likely, it was that was our first actual, like, eye-opening, oh, who's this dude? Because he comes out with Paul Bearer. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, everyone's kind of like terrified of him. The place is kind of like shaking. Who's this dude? He's what's going to happen? And boom, he shocked the world. You know, his first big shock of the world, really. The match I probably remember the most from when I was a kid uh, was the first Buried Alive match with him and Yokozuna. I don't know if that was a uh, WrestleMania, but uh, I just remember the theatrics of everything and and how they were uh, going at it. I mean, Yokozuna was a huge dude and uh, ex-sumo wrestler. um, And uh, yeah, the Buried Alive match where to to defeat the guy, you had to put him in a coffin and (laughs) literally put dirt over it. Uh, it just, you know, I remember as a kid, I remember even like lightning and struck the coffin or, or something crazy like that. I miss those huge theatrics, man. It's just, uh, what, what fun. Yeah. He had a lot of those really fun gimmick, you know, yeah. matches. There was the one with him and Kane that we were fighting in the ring. That was fire around the ring itself. So every time they slammed, the fire would shoot up. Uh, I mean, the Hell in the Cell was another one that was, I think it was originated by. Oh, with Mick Foley. Yeah. And what well, the original one was, uh, him and, uh, Shawn Michaels. So Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker fought in the first Hell in the Cell, and then they didn't think they would be able to top it. And then you know Undertaker and Mick Foley, much to everyone's chagrin, uh, they, <laughs> yeah, sure they sure topped did. it. <laughs> um, so, you got a couple of uh, uh, huge phenoms there with Shawn Michaels and uh, the Undertaker. Uh, another couple of personalities. I mean, Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, WrestleMania Six. This was uh, kind of peak Hulkamania, I would say. Um, the warrior was coming up as uh, kind of a semi replacement as, you know, the days of Hulkamania were originally kind of waning in the uh, late eighties. I-, I think, you know, the WWF at that point had really tried to push the warrior to kind of take his place, uh, which kind of crescendoed into this, uh, engagement here. Uh, you watched this match recently, or is this one you, you skipped over? <laughs> Honestly, I skipped over this one, but they both, if I remember right, both went into this match being champions. Yeah. And this was a unification of the actual belts to have one champion themselves. And, I mean, it, it's hard with there being so much to watch. Looking at one, I'm like, uh, I really don't have a whole lot of interest in it. It may have been only been a 15-minute match. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, like, the Warrior walked away and actually won that match, which is, I mean, like you were saying, they were setting up the Ultimate Warrior to go ahead and be... You know, be Hogan, past the torch type setup, and things just never actually, you know, turned out that way. Yeah, as far as uh, in ring talent 
these were a couple of guys that, you know, I mean, Hogan had his leg drop and then <laughs> the ultimate warrior had his entrance where he would run and then like shake the ropes. But I don't know if he had anything <laughs> going for him once the bell anything rung. Special, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, as far as merchandising, these guys were the tops, man. They had, you remember those, uh, remember having the wrestling dolls? Yes. <laughs> In that same shape, they're like pillows and they would like make noises and stuff. Uh. Oh, that wasn't even what I was talking about, but yes, no, I was talking about like, the action figure dolls, not the, uh, oh yeah, yeah. The actual like the the wrestling pillow setups yeah i mean for merchandising purposes these two were tops man so it was like a couple of action figures going at it um and i think the most memorable thing about this match was probably the uh, ultimate warrior promos leading up to it where he was just going nuts about uh you know talking about uh taking a plane over and crashing it down onto hulk hogan hulk hogan and all of his warriors uh, chanting for him. I don't know. The guy was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what you kind of had to be at that point. I mean, you got to be off a little bit to be in this line of work. Yeah. To be able to turn on a whole different persona who's not you at all. To be able to go ahead and make these fans, make us believe that's who you really are. High energy, the both of them. So, uh, you know, uh, a good match, I'd say. At least for personality's sake. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the ne- next one here, I mean, we're talking about it basically a brick shithouse uh brock lesnar <laughs> uh versus you know roman reigns this now this one was interesting i never heard of the money in the bank match so it kind of goes along with this match and this was uh wrestlemania 31 lesnar and roman reigns uh were fighting roman reigns won the you know the rumble lesnar was the champion lesnar was beating the snot out of reigns like reigns couldn't do anything yeah and i don't know if it was the whole the whole persona I mean, I know Brock Lesnar kind of ran rampant in the WWE and kind of still is, if I remember correctly. But uh, they're going at it, and they're going at it, and Roman Reigns is kind of fighting his way back in it. Next thing you know it, uh, Seth Rollins. Yeah, a, a name that I just you know recently learned within the last few weeks. <laughs> uh, comes running out, hands the referee a briefcase, and it has, like, money in it and everything. It's a like cash and you know, money in the bank. And then this basically one-on-one match becomes a triple threat match. Oh, yeah. And at this point, he's coming in fresh. These two have beaten the snot out of each other. He does some type of knee drop on both of them. Next thing you know, he pins Reigns, I think it was. And next thing you know, he's a champion. He's a WWE champion. He runs out. He basically stole the bill, belt and took <laughs> off. Yeah, and Seth Rollins was the champ for uh, for a little bit, man. I I, I, I kind of remember ordering this pay-per-view and watching it. I was It was during one of those periods where I was trying to get back into wrestling. And uh, yeah, if I'm remembered correctly, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins were both part of the S.H.I.E.L.D. group with uh, Dean Ambrose when they were first introduced into the WWE. They were a uh, collective of three guys that were kind of come through the crowd and uh, wreak havoc together against folks. Um, almost like an NWO, but, uh, you know, the modern day version. And there was a split. And, uh, yeah, Seth Rollins uh, uh, cashed in his Money at the Bank, which um, I think it only maybe started maybe three to five years at most before this WrestleMania 31. Uh, but, man, you would have to use something like that, some kind of uh, cheat cheat code to take down Brock Lesnar, who's um, – I'm sure you guys are aware, if you're interested in wrestling at all, you're aware that Brock Lesnar was an actual – wrestler like actual wrestling not professional uh wrestling which is funny to yeah, say wrestling. it's like professional wrestling isn't actually professional wrestling it's it's more <laughs> of a it's a show right it's scripted i mean the guys you know they perform crazy somersaults and moves and stuff but um i'm talking about the kind of wrestling that you do in high school and college like brock lesnar was a uh yeah he was a collegiate champion yeah 
the yeah, collegiate NCAA champion, uh, UFC heavyweight champion. Yeah. I mean, if he really wanted to, if if something really went bad and he got hurt in the ring and he wanted this to unleash, I don't think there's there's very few in in, in WWE that would be able to survive an onslaught. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. He's kind of uh, it's funny how he's been able to go back and forth between WWE and UFC and be relevant in both organizations as uh, you know, a, a guy to be reckoned with. I mean, you had had folks in the past that maybe not from UFC in particular, but kind of these mixed martial artists like uh, Ken Shamrock back in the Attitude Era. Uh, to where they kind of left uh, mixed martial arts and came to WWE and had somewhat of a, a middling to successful career. Uh, but boy, Brock Lesnar, he's been able to basically stay on top of both as a recognized name over the past decade, really. Yeah, he was uh, very successful. I know when he came over to the UFC, I was a big big fan of UFC at that time. I've kind of uh, tailed off a little bit, more so just because my wife isn't a huge fan of it and it's not fun to watch by herself. Yeah. So, <laughs> But uh, I remember when he first came over, I'm thinking, oh, this is, this is a joke. This is, this is all publicity stunt. You know what I mean? It, yeah. Dana White, White knows you know the WWE fans are going to buy the pay-per-views to go ahead and see what he does. If if anything, they want him to fall on his face. Right. All the diehards like myself at that time wanted him to get his face smashed in. <laughs> and, you know, neither of us got what we wanted. And, and he got the bell and Dana White walked away laughing with all the money in his pockets. Yeah, he sure did. Uh, and he's still successful to this day. He's still uh, a tremendous athlete, um, even though, like I said, he's been doing it for probably the better part of a decade now. Um, I know that... Um, CM Punk uh, was a big name in WWE and recently, over the last couple of years, tried to make his way into UFC, into Ultimate Fighting. But uh, I don't think he's had quite the uh, jump over success that Brock Lesnar had. Yeah, no, Lesnar made it look easy. So there's a few people that went ahead and did it. And, you know, the promotions, I mean, there's there was a few other ones as well. But uh, the promoters like, you know, what, let's give it a shot. I mean, it, it's at least going to sell pay-per-views and... What's the worst is going to happen? He's going you know, to get his butt kicked. He won't come back. And you know, both sides are happy. Both sides got paid. And it's kind of move on. Yeah. So we go from there back to uh, kind of the early 2000s where uh, this was post uh, WWE and WCW merging. Uh, the big draw for that WrestleMania, WrestleMania 18, The Rock versus Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Uh, you had a couple of uh, sort of, you know, the legend Hulk Hogan uh, facing uh, The Rock, who at, at that point was kind of... Uh, on his way to becoming uh, the Hollywood star that we know and love today, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, or just Dwayne Johnson these days. It's funny. It's like first he was The Rock, and then he spent a few years as Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and now he's just Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, would you look at this match and equate it to the Hogan-Andre the Giant match in the way of the passing of the torch? Uh, Andre the Giant was passing it to Hogan. And this one here, would you say Hollywood Hogan was now passing that torch on to The Rock? Yeah, that's probably pretty accurate. Uh, knowing a little bit uh, that I do behind the scenes, uh, Terry Bollea, or a.k.a. Hulk Hogan, uh, the guy is not uh, very good about passing the torch. <laughs> He's usually kind of a spotlight hog, and he has been even since the days with him and Savage and the uh, the Mega Powers. Back in the 80s, he's always been kind of that way. But, I mean, you know, you can't deny the charisma and the uh, star power, even back then, in the Attitude Era of uh, The Rock. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it was one of those things where Hulk Hogan, even he, even though he was a living legend, kind of had to um, uh, go against this guy, uh, this this up-and-comer. Uh, but at this point, I mean, The Rock had kind of made his way already. He'd already had his knockdown, bang-out fights with uh, Stone Cold and... 
and uh, he probably already had uh, the rock and saw connection with uh, him and mankind. But, uh, yeah, like I said, this was right around the Scorpion King era, so it was almost like a farewell to the rock. I, you know, I remember for this match, there was a lot of exciting lead up to see these two go at it, you know, kind of like when you're uh, booking matches in your head as far as like we talked about last week, like, you know, ooh, Sting versus Hulk Hogan or kind of the these big names where you see what would it be like if we put these guys with these personalities and these uh, special uh, ending moves, the people's elbow versus the leg drop. Like, what is that going to look like? You know, I think the lead up was probably better than the actual match itself. <laughs> now, we talk about like The Undertaker on his persona. Will there, any, will there be anything like Hulk doing his Hulk up thing? You know, he's getting smacked and he starts, he's just starting just flexing. Then he puts his finger yeah. out there and he shakes it in his face and he starts hitting him and knocks him down and yeah. leg drops and it's over. <laughs> With his sweaty hot dog skin and his uh, greasy, sweaty blonde hair, skull it, starts shaking yeah, it starts in the wind. Shaking it for, <laughs> yeah, back and forth real quick. No, brother. <laughs> Dude, it's the cheesiest thing in the world, but I like it every time it happens in a match. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a mark, but every time that he's on his knee and uh, he starts, you know, wagging his finger like no, and then he gets up from that defense. Or even, you know, we're, we're, um, you know, they'll have him in a sleeper move, uh, like the Million Dollar Dream or something, and the ref, like, lifts his hand once, then lifts his hand up twice and it falls down. Then the third time, he kind of catches it midair, and the crowd goes nuts, and he pumps his fists and then turns it into an elbow to the gut to the other guy. I mean, you saw that dozens and dozens of times, but each time it was just like, yeah, Hulk Hogan. (laughs) (laughs) On a side note there with that arm drop thing, uh, we were watching, I think it was, I think it was The Rock and Hogan. And uh, my wife was watching it with me, and she she's never watched this stuff before. Yeah. I, mean, I told her, "Say you're doomed now. Your son is enjoying <laughs> it, and, and bringing her uh, bringing her husband back to his young days." But I said, "Watch this." He said, "Got him in sleeper hold." I said, "The arm's gonna go up. It's gonna <laughs> drop twice, and it's gonna almost drop all the way down the third time. He's gonna lift it up." And she's like, "How, how do you know this?" I watched enough of these matches. Just watch. <laughs> she looked at me after it happened. She's like, "What happens if it goes all the way down? Which if it goes all the way down, this match is over." Right. But very, very few of those matches ever end that way. <laughs> it's all theatrics. <laughs> yeah, it's really great. So, I mean, uh, you know, uh, definitely a memorable match for sure. Um, uh, here's another one that uh, I don't know if you and I saw live. I know I saw the uh, Hogan versus Rock one live back in the day, but this would have been WrestleMania 30. Uh, Randy Orton uh, versus Batista versus Daniel Bryan which uh, kind of a three-way match, which uh, you said you watched recently. It was uh, really good, wasn't it? Yeah, I watched that earlier today. Uh, as originally, it was supposed to only be Orton and Batista. And Bryant's way of getting into the match is he had to fight Triple H that same night and beat Triple H. So he beat Triple H to become a part of this match here. And he's going in. He's got a you know busted up arm. I'm guessing Triple H did a you know number on him. Him and yeah. him and Stephanie. Bryant had to go ahead and beat Triple H to go ahead and get into the match. So I mean Orton and Batista at this point there they they wanted it just to be a one on one match. Yeah. They wanted to beat the snot out of each other, and they wanted nothing to do with Bryant being in this match. But you know he got his way in this match, and they're going. Next thing you know it. While they're fighting, Triple H and Stephanie come through the crowd and start, you know, beating on Bryant, you know, kind of keeping him, you know, down and out. And they actually brought in their own referee to try to go ahead and get a quick count Mm. so Bryant didn't win. And, of course, you know, in WWE fashion, you know, uh, Triple H gets the, you know, the sledgehammer to the head, the whole deal. I think Bryant did a flying body block out and wound up getting the, the the the, the new referee, Triple H, and Stephanie. So it took them all out. 
and went back in. He was able to pin one of the two meatheads, <laughs> went ahead and won the won the match, won the belt. You know, you know. Then all of a sudden, you know, confetti's falling from the you know the sky. He's got both arms up, even though you know the, the left one's bummed, and he's doing his yes thing with it. It's that was a pretty cool moment. Yeah, he ended up winning both titles, didn't he? Both the WWE Championship and the World Title that match. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I believe that's how it worked. Yeah, there's a lot of belts out there nowadays. Yeah, I think eventually they unified those two belts, but uh, I, I do you know vaguely remember this big push for Daniel Bryan. Uh, he was a big crowd favorite, basically just his his in ring work. I mean, the guy, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's probably less than six feet. He's not the biggest build in the world. I mean, he's not like, you know, popping veins or whatever with his muscles. But uh, the the kind of work that he did in ring, he was just a wrestling powerhouse. And, uh, you know, he earned those belts. Sometimes every now and then you'll get a guy, he's not the biggest, beefiest guy that's walking down the uh, to ringside. Uh, but he just earns his respect in, in different ways. And they gave him that push. Triple H was a big part of that. Triple H had a lot of heat. We talk about uh, Undertaker and, um, you know, we talk about Hulk Hogan. But, I mean, behind the scenes, Triple H, uh, Mm -hmm. this guy, I mean, he came in, and this is sort of outside our discussion, but he came in as kind of like any other kind of like blonde Californian kind of like, you know, guy trying trying to get a gimmick. Yeah, he was very foppish and proper. With a mirror and brushing his hair. Yeah, his ponytail and wearing like dress shirts and stuff. And that was his gimmick. And to talk about a change in, in, you know, personality. And now he's like, you know, he married Steph. Um, you know, there you know, you'd always kind of claim nepotism there. But for all intents and purposes, I mean, he's set to take the keys to the kingdom more than, you know, Shane McMahon uh, will. I, you know, I think growing up, you and I probably assumed that that, you know, eventually Vince would retire. Maybe Shane would kind of take over. But no, it's it's uh, Triple H. Mrs. Stephanie and Triple H. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, even watching some of the things I've watched, like when he went ahead and brought in uh, Batista and uh, Orton and Flair, and, uh, when they when they became Evolution, you've seen the working in the background of how that became because uh triple h basically seeing that rick flair was no longer flair Mm -hmm. it's like he's seen he was a shell of himself he really wasn't performing as well he was almost forgetting that he was rick flair so he was trying to actually get him back to where he was they actually became really good friends you know once he came across the wwe so he pitched the idea to uh the vince come to find out i didn't even know this but vince doesn't like factions Oh, really? He doesn't like groups. Yeah. So he actually had to sell them on this. And this is something that they worked on for for a little while. And they had to figure out who they were going to bring in. And then when they first went ahead and did it, both Orton and uh, Batista both got injured in their first tag match as that group. Dude, I didn't know that. And it was against the Dudley Boys. And there's a lot of animosity that goes back and forth about this. It almost feel like the Dudley Boys were upset that these two newcomers Right. We're getting this shot. Yeah. And they actually injured them on purpose to knock them out. Wow. So there's a there's a lot that goes now they were actually interviewing, I think it was uh Bubba Ray, and there's a lot of dispute. There's a lot of, there's I think to this day there's a lot of bad blood still with those, you know, those four over what happened there. They had to, you know, build that whole group up and eventually they almost replaced Batista. Because Batista was getting to the point where he was almost ready to get back in there. Yeah. And he pushed himself, and then he hurt himself again. He tore the muscle off his, off the bone again. So he had to go through rehab again. So they almost put another person in that place. They just couldn't find the right person. Man. But, yeah, they had to actually pitch. Triple H had to pitch that whole thing. And, yeah, he's really, I think, more so even more than Vince anymore. He's a lot of the creative behind the scenes. 
Because even when Sting came across, I mean, this isn't even one of the ones we're talking about, but when Sting came across for his WrestleMania match against Triple H and, you know, NWO and DX and the whole deal, that whole yeah. you know, thing that happened, that was all, you know, Sting meeting with Triple H. Triple H, you know, pitching the idea, him, him behind the scenes making, you know, the workings. I, th- I think we can have a whole show just on Triple H and what he is actually means to this company now. Yeah, he's integral as far as uh, especially the recent years of WWE and their success. Uh, whether it was he was introduced even pre-Attitude Era and then his uh, life in DX. I mean, he was a huge part of DX with Shawn Michaels and X-Pac. I mean, um, and he was a part of the clique, right? The behind-the-scenes group with uh, him and uh, Nash and Hall. They were all friends. And it's like, even back then, it's like uh, if a wrestler wanted to be successful, you had to, um, it was a good idea to be friends with the clique. And leading right up to today, if you want to be successful in the WWE, uh, you better make yourself uh, friendly with uh, Hunter Hearst Hensley, who I think his real name is Paul Levasque. Um, But uh, anyway, yeah, you're not going to go very far these days if uh, you're not on his good side. (laughs) Yeah. It's one of those, like, entrances, too. Like, I put his entrance, honestly right next to the undertakers like when you hear it's time to play the game yeah i'm like i get that like feeling like okay it's gonna it's, it's going down just like when you hear that first undertakers dong oh, you yeah. know you're gonna get it you're gonna get inter- you're gonna get what you're coming for you don't get a dud match with either of those guys and i mean he's earned it i mean that entrance and the the whole uh just the whole personality of just uh, kind of an executioner. The guy, when he brings his uh, sledgehammer out with him, yeah. he pours the uh, bottled water all over, spits it through the uh, the spit, lights yeah. and the lasers. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, it's a big, uh, big mood there for Triple H. And uh, it's worked for him uh, throughout the years. It won Stephanie McMahon over, apparently. <laughs> uh, and it won crowds over. Crowds and crowds of people through many, many years now. Decades we're getting into. So Yeah, I think I remember when he first came out, I couldn't stand the guy. Yeah. And then when he changed over like the DX and changed it to, you know, this is persona. Yeah. It's, it was just onward and upward. It was, there was, there's, there, I think it's trajectory is still going up. Yeah. So it's it's like when 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 will he peak you know and start you know slowing back down to I me mean, if in reality I mean heck Flair just stopped Hogan I mean is kind of still out there right I mean if he really wants to I mean he can go I mean as long as he wants he can actually get to the point where he's working behind the scenes or he does what Vince used to do sure you no know, now he's calling the matches and then he finds himself interjecting himself into him periodically yeah um, but we are way off topic <laughs> yeah that was a big sidebar big sidetrack um so anyway you know that's triple h uh fans of that guy he's been around for so dang long now kind of moving on here into the matches the next one up is uh, uh another couple of big personalities john cena versus the rock now we've talked the rock already um the rock has kind of transcended uh wrestling itself and is now just a uh, uh i think he's bigger than a movie star these days he's just like a global celebrity like he's known everywhere for just being Dwayne Johnson all he has to do is post a video on Instagram and it gets uh, you know billion views or whatever just him yeah. his workout routine in the morning and him cracking a smile and mentioning somebody uh, I mean, the guy is almost as big as Twitter itself. I think the most recent one was his cheat day breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we talked about The Rock, but uh, we haven't talked much about John Cena, who's become uh, your your boy's favorite here recently. I didn't even know this. I mean, he starts coming in and talking about I can't see him <laughs> and, you know, walking in saying, my name is John Cena. I'm like, dude, wh- you don't watch this. We purposely kept you away from this for a little while. 
just because, I mean, it's a little, we know your personality. Yeah. You're going to start flying off the couch and doing crazy things and, uh, you know, just all this. And I, I couldn't avoid it anymore. So once I got the WWE Network, I didn't know he was this attached to him, but I didn't know his matches. I mean, I knew of John Cena. Yeah. But I didn't really know of any of his matches. So I'll just kind of scroll through, you know, type his name in, find a match, hit play. And, and we're watching it. And all of a sudden, it's one that he loses. And next thing you know it, Zach is almost in tears. Right. I mean, he's that connected. He's watching. He's watching blow for blow. He's, he's sitting there in front of it. And when it starts going against John Cena, he you know, buries his head in the couch. And then he hears the crowd kind of turn. So he gets back up and he's watching it more. Uh, he's, he's pumped about WrestleMania 36 here. Because, you know, John Cena's got a match. And God, I hope he wins. Oh, he just better. Because <laughs> I, I, I just want to see that joy. I mean, it's... It reminded me of it's back when we were watching Kevin Nash beat Goldberg and break his streak. Right. You know, we're sitting there. We we if I remember correctly, we didn't like Goldberg. We were all about the NWO. We were all about them. And when Nash won that match, I remember I remember the reaction we got. Yeah. And now I'm seeing that in him, and it's so much fun. <laughs> seeing that reaction come out of him, and just to, and then on the flip side, the disappointment of him losing. I think that's just as fun because you can see he's. He's invested in it. Yeah, John Cena actually came from OVW here in the uh, the Midwest, the Ohio Valley. Uh, he was still a young guy back in WrestleMania 27, which is when this match took place. And I think it's another example of just you had the the superstar, uh, The Rock. Uh, this would have been you know just about nine years ago or so. So the, the Rock had already been away from the WWE for a while. He actually came back for this match. Um, against John Cena, who was a rising star at the time, kind of the biggest name, the biggest draw. Yeah, just another example of just two personalities coming together to kind of put each other over and, uh, you know, give us a huge show once a year at uh, the biggest show of the year, uh, WrestleMania. But, uh, I mean, John Cena, he's he's kind of following the path now. He was in Bumblebee. Uh, he's in some pretty uh, big movies these days. Um, I don't know if he's really had his breakout success in any one single film. But yeah, he, he's kind of breaking away from wrestling a bit and become a personality in his own right. Yeah, well, he's trying. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for all intents and purposes, I mean, he's he's doing, he's following the Hollywood Hulk Hogan, you know, way, The Rock. I mean, they're kind of paving the road for these wrestlers that are um, they're coming behind him. Yeah. Which is, which is pretty cool. But I mean, we got a couple after after this one here. I mean... You gotta do Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. I mean, we're going way back. I mean, not, I mean, we talked WrestleMania three. I mean, this is WrestleMania twelve, and this was one of those. I think kind of the first of its kind. This was one of those. Uh, it was an hour long match, mm-hmm. and you won the match by having the most pinfalls. And at the end of that hour match, they both had the the exact same number of pinfalls. Uh. So they actually Bret Hart actually grabbed the belt, walked down the aisle, and then it was a um, uh, Mean Gene comes in the ring at that time he was he was kind of like the the general manager because vince was calling the match yeah he comes in and said we're going to overtime now oh wow next pin wins oh and then bret hart went back in there got caught with two chin musics and it was over in like a minute dang man so yeah this must have been pre-montreal screw job which we kind of touched on last time but uh um, you know, backstage, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, they, they didn't really get along in real life. There was uh, there was some beef there. Uh, Bret Hart was uh, a name, and I think we kind of uh, overlooked Bret Hart as far as how big of a, uh, of a personality, how big of a uh, respected wrestler this guy was. I mean, we failed to mention, he was, actually, I found this out recently. I watched WrestleMania 2 
I watched the huge battle royale that Andre the Giant won, the first one, uh, which is kind of famous now. They typically have a battle royale in, in Andre's uh, honor. But uh, it was, uh, you know, Andre the Giant versus, uh, I think, King Kong Bundy was in there, a bunch of Chicago Bears, because this was 1986. So it was <laughs> that year after the Chicago Bears were, uh, you know, that, that time span after they had won the Super Bowl and they were crazy popular. So, uh, but yeah, Bret Hart. And Jim the Anvil Neidhart, back then they were a tag team called the Hart Foundation. It was just the two of them. This was kind of before uh, the whole, you know, pink and black hitman persona um, that he later adopted into the 90s. Uh, but yeah, Bret Hart was actually the last man standing um, in that battle royale. This was WrestleMania 2, dude. So this was like 1986. And I didn't know that Bret Hart went all the way back to the 80s as far as being a, kind of a, a big name in the WWF. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Andre threw him out, of course, but, uh, you know, I was pretty surprised that Bret Hart was the guy, the last guy standing in that big battle royale. Anyway, to see him kind of go through his career, um, you know, he fought uh, Undertaker. He fought uh, famously a huge match. He put uh, Stone Cold over. He kind of turned Stone Cold from the stunning Steve personality over to the rattlesnake that uh, he, you know, grew huge from. Um, so Bret Hart was a guy to, to kind of put other guys over if you earned his respect. And at this point, Shawn Michaels hadn't really earned his respect just for some, you know, some locker room drama. Um, and later famously, a few matches after this WrestleMania is when, uh, Bret Hart, uh, kind of got screwed over and, and went to WCW. But I mean, these two guys, just their in-ring work, uh, they kind of left those feelings, you know, backstage and they, they put it all out, especially for this Iron Man match. I mean, I remember watching this match. It is crazy. You can see, like, you can see the wear and tear that these guys have even after, like, a 10-minute match. You know, they're just, like, breathing hard. They're, you know, losing steam. And to stretch that out for another 50 minutes. And then beyond, when Mean Gene comes out and says it's overtime, I mean, good Lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that, that was, like, I knew it was an hour. So they actually, you can watch the whole match on these, these countdowns. So I went ahead and I clicked on it, hit pause, and went ahead almost like 58 minutes. I was like, okay, I'm not watching this whole thing. There's there's no way I'm going to be able to, you know, keep it together and watch it and keep, you know, you know my eyes on it just because it, it is a while ago. Those matches there, like that one there, would have been hard to go ahead and you know, keep your attention for that long. Now, at that time, you know, it actually went down. It, nope, no problem. I mean, it was, it was new. It was something crazy. It was like, how are these guys going to survive this time? Now it's like, okay, I'm trying to get through the rest of these here to get everything set up. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's go ahead and next. <laughs> okay, then there's the last match here of the, of the 10. Now, this is the one I claim that it may be a prisoner of the moment. Uh, it was WrestleMania 35. It was last year. Uh, it was the first year they went ahead and headlined uh, women as the headliner. So it was Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, and Becky Lynch. Uh, I think it was... Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair had the belts, one for uh, one for Raw, one for SmackDown. The winner basically walked out with both of them. We really don't know a whole lot about this one here. I know I did watch it. Uh, Becky Lynch went ahead and won. I guess she's called The Man. But uh, <laughs> she went ahead and pinned one of the two. I'm not sure which one it was. And she walked out with both of them. Uh, apparently, it was really a really successful headline. So that's something that they may do again. Now, they're not going to shy away from you know women being the headlining on a WrestleMania, which is pretty cool to see. I mean, that's all I really got about that. I, it sounds terrible that that's all I've got on this, you know, one match that's got women in it for us. But 
it's something really new and we're just now getting back into this so yeah to be fair that was wrestlemania 35 it was just last year and you and i have just recently gotten back into wrestling with this uh watching of the app during our quarantine (laughs) (laughs) um so we you know wrestling just wasn't on our radar this time last year but yeah i mean when you take a look at the uh the card for wrestlemania 36 coming up this weekend um, there are actually a lot of matches uh, for women. Seems like uh, women are uh, almost half the card these days, which is great. I mean, it's a big difference from back in the day. I mean, women were definitely objectified, and you know, you had your divas, which would come out, and it was kind of more about um, how scantily clothed they were versus their in-ring talent. But it seems like these days they have uh, kind of equal personality, uh, equal booking. And uh, they come out there and they put on as uh, as much of a show as, as the guys do. So uh, that is definitely good to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, there's other matches. I mean, there's really only two other matches here that stand out that I was able to actually find out. You know, the, the first really tables, ladders, and chairs match in WrestleMania 17. Uh, the Hardy Boys, the Dudley Boys, and Christian and Edge. I remember, like, I don't know if I remember watching this per se, but I remember watching clips of it and watching it over and over and just thinking, holy crap, how much can these guys actually put themselves through and walk away? It was kind of the same feeling I got when I watched, you know, Mankind get thrown from the top of the hell of the cell. Yeah. It's like, I mean, they're doing flips off top of these ladders on the tables. I mean, yeah, we know they're doing everything as safe as they can do it so they don't injure themselves. But you still got to think, holy crap, who's going to break a rib? Who's going to who's gonna, you know, dislocate their shoulder? You know, who's not going to walk away from this? Yeah, all three of these tag teams. I mean, you've got the high flyers of the Hardy Boys. Uh, you got the Dudley Boys who were, you know, both of them, anything goes. And then Edge and Christian who were, you know, total in-ring talent. They were probably one of the better tag teams in, in WWE history, uh, Edge and Christian. Um, so the three of these together is tables, ladders, and chairs. I mean, what a gimmick. Like, just, that's an exciting match. <laughs> yeah, you got the Dudley boys that came across from ECW. So they were known for, you know, crazy things. Devon, get the table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, I mean, if you're looking, if you're just getting into it, or you got, like, I, I guess this is a match on me, you know, getting ready to show Zach. If you want to show a young boy what craziness used to be, turn this one on. <laughs> because next thing you know, you better hide everything in the house. Because they're going to be flying. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, hide your tables. Yeah, <laughs> I got a glass coffee table. I better move that. <laughs> <laughs> the other one here on this list here, and the only reason I put on on the list, is can a match be so bad that it puts it into the epically good match kind of like a bad movie if a bad movie is so bad sometimes it pushes over into where it's actually enjoyable boy i don't know i'm talking famously the brock <laughs> lesnar goldberg match at wrestlemania 20 i mean yeah this one was definitely bad this was a stinker absolutely but i if you're watching it if you're if you're watching it you have to more pay attention to the crowd yeah them singing na 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 and you sold out, and they, they those two can't engage the crowd at all. It's almost more enjoyable to watch them fall on their face for me, and then watch Stone Cold kind of sit there, like tell them to fight. Because there's certain points he was like, "You guys are gonna do this, or I'm just, I'm just gonna leave." And then uh, at the end, Lesnar flips off uh, Stone Cold. Now I don't know if, if that was you know planned because he flips off the you know the basically the crowd, which didn't seem planned, right? And then he flips off Austin, and Austin Stone Cold, yeah, stuns him. Yeah, which I I don't think that was planned. I just think that just kind of happened. 
Yeah, those stunners were probably the best part of the match. It was finally just to get a little satisfaction in there. Now, I know the crowd went nuts when he did those. But, I mean, just a little backstory. I guess both of these guys were kind of on their way out. I don't know if it was due to contracts or due to injury or uh, Brock Lesnar going to UFC. Lesnar was going to play football. Okay. Lesnar actually signed with the Minnesota Vikings. Right. And Goldberg Goldberg's contract was up, and he didn't renegotiate. So they were both going for different reasons. Yeah, and boy, you can tell when you watch the match. I mean, if you ever, you know, usually professional wrestling, it's two guys that are in there, you know, trying to not hurt each other, but at least make it look like they're really trying to hurt each other. But this actually looked like a match with two guys that uh, were not trying to hurt each other at all. I mean, they were barely laying hands on each other. Like, can we... Can we do something here? Can we call this a match? Yeah, I mean, the crowd was, like, just infuriated. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. As far as a match being so bad, it's good. It's definitely fun to watch because it's just so strange. Yeah, it it wasn't something we were used to. And I think uh, one of the documentaries, dude, I've listened and watched so much crap since I've been stuck home. Yeah. Uh, They actually talked about, I think Vince actually talked about this match. And he said he's never seen a crowd turn <laughs> on two wrestlers so hard before. And it made their job so much more difficult to do. And it was one of the first times that it was right when the internet was getting big. So everyone knew. Yeah. Like everyone knew what was going on. So when they, when they came out, it wasn't everyone was in the loop when it came to contracts. Rather than beforehand, if it happened, say, like six or seven years prior, people would have had no idea. Yeah. Just because they wouldn't have had access to the, you know, the behind the scenes workings. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy for your, you know, WrestleMania 20. It's a nice round number. It's a big event. WrestleMania is always a big event. But when you hit those markers, like, you know, um, you, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, uh, it's a big deal. And this was their main event to end the show. So it's just like, wow, how anticlimactic. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's terrible. But like I said, it was so bad. I almost feel like it ran into the entertaining <laughs> part of it, but that's just me watching two guys fall flat in their face, and I just kind of smile about it. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that's it. I mean, that's you know, our top, well, I should say WWE's top 10 plus our extra two. So we're going to say our top 10 plus two <laughs> uh, matches we got going here. Uh, we're both watching WrestleMania uh, 36 this weekend. Uh, if you're not already doing so, Follow our Twitter page. I'm going to be actively tweeting uh, while we're watching uh, to go ahead and just get you guys interacting, interacting with you a little bit here. Uh, I'm having a good time doing it. I mean, I, I haven't, I've had a personal Twitter account for quite some time. I've never actually used it besides following people, say during like big sporting events. Uh, but this one here, I've actually been out actively putting stuff out there, looking for some interaction, getting some here and there uh, by groups that are following us. But uh, some interaction with you guys that are listening with us, uh, listening to us, I should say. Uh, will be pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, follow us on Twitter, at DadNarok. Check us out on Facebook, Sean at DadNarok.com. And Chris at DadNarok.com. And uh, I think this is a good time for us to go ahead and cruise right into the cheesy. We got a, we got a couple <laughs> jokes here for you uh, to go ahead and finish this out. Uh, I'll go first here. I'm just going to stick with you know the wrestling topic here. I always bring a piece of paper to a wrestling match, just in case The Rock is my opponent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, paper beats rock. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, I like that hey, one. That's I'm looking for one. cheesy. I'm getting them. 
Yeah, you can tell that one to an infant. Oh, bada bing! Hey, so uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley reportedly has pains in his shoulders, neck, and knees. Do you know about this? I had no idea. Yeah, he has triple aches. <laughs> oh, triple aches, triple aches. Ah, clever, clever, clever boy. <laughs> Horses. Oh, game over. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that there are jokes there for you. I uh, hope you enjoyed them. I wanted to get a quick shout out to, you know, for some of our downloads. We've actually had some international downloads here lately. A couple from Germany. Uh, one from the Philippines, and we all also have one from India. So, I mean, if you, that's if that's you guys downloading, awesome. We appreciate it. Uh, keep spreading the word. We we like talking to anybody everywhere. And if you want to interact with us, by all means, uh, our Twitter accounts there, our email accounts, we've already actually put out there for you, and uh, the Facebook page. Ah, the Facebook page. I forgot even to bring this up. So I went ahead and put up a, a little video. I got like his little uh, little little drone. He's probably about the size of maybe an inch by inch across and I can just buzz them around the house. So I just kind of sat in my bonus room with my nerd stuff behind me and record me flying around the, uh, the bonus room a little bit. If you haven't seen it already, uh, go ahead and check it out. It's on our dad and the rock page. It's also on YouTube. Just type in uh, dad and the rock uh, drone flight and you'll find it there as well. And it's, uh, it's fun. Maybe I'll do more of these here in the future of uh, things that may be entertaining to me. I don't know if they're entertaining to you. <laughs> Yeah, sounds good. So uh, I think that's going to uh, call it for this episode. Yeah, so that's a good place for us here at the Dead Neurock Podcast to go ahead and say we're signing off for the evening. Have a good night, guys. Bye.